I'm Dermot Hussey. Welcome to Riffin Radio, the podcast. It's a collection of interviews with artists from various genres, spanning three decades and giving more context to the music we love. Jamaican pianist Monty Alexander is firmly established in the jazz mainstream with a style that's noted for its deep swing and infectious Caribbean flavor. In 1992, I spoke to Monty about his album Caribbean Circle. Yes, it's all about renewal and it's all about going back to the roots because we played you the first tune by Monty with Niles Henning, Orsted Peterson, and um, Grady Tate on drums. And there you heard that plugging back in to that root, uh, which he talks about in terms of trade winds. Welcome to the studio, my brother. I'm glad to be here with you, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> really, a pleasure. One of the things that fascinates me about Monte Alexander is here was a, a brilliant, gifted young Jamaican who is as much a part of the history of this music as anybody else. And in the time that we have left in the studio, Monty's gonna tell us about the days, hopefully, when he used to tee for the JC and go and do sessions with Coxon and Duke Reed, right? What, what does tee for mean? <laughs> <laughs> I beg your pardon, what kind of English that you use, man? <laughs> you mean I stole out of the establishment? <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, I remember those days, boy. What were those sessions like, man? Man, I remember that was a very high point of my musical development, just because, um, but I remember the first part of it, teething out without anybody seeing me, going through the barbed wire fence, <laughs> and finding the bus to go down Hope Road to Foreshore Road, where Mr. Curry's studio, Federal Recording Studio, a little tiny studio, where this was the first studio that I started to go to, to record. Because later that we went to um, Coxon's studio behind Carib Theatre. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember going on there and filling in, playing the piano, backing up some of these artists. Um, anybody from uh, um, Keith and Enid <laughs> to, the, to the Blues Busters. Mm. Blues Busters, right? Lloyd, and both of those guys have passed away. And yeah. sad to hear, sad mm -hmm. to hear that. And, and just to be a part of that whole thing, and I was a youngster in the whole thing, and everybody treated me with a lot of love, you know? I remember that. It, it, it's the kind of thing that made me develop because it was a human experience besides the fact that somebody might say, you know, you're, you're, you're good at playing the piano, man. But it wasn't just that you were a musician. It was that there was this human camaraderie that immediately I, I felt. And we would laugh together, and I could take a joke about and they would take, we'd laugh a lot. And this morning, in fact, a lot came back to me because I saw... Um, Johnny Moore, Dizzy. I saw him this morning and it, we started talking about all these events so many years ago. That was the beginning of this thing that is so powerful today, you know. So it's a powerful thing. All I know is um, I learned a lot. Um, uh, I was able to begin to experience the, the, the sharing of your music with other people, with mature musicians, because them guys were some serious fellas. Don Drummond was there, Roland Alfonso was there, Aubrey Adams used to be in and out, mm -hmm. Ernie Ranglin was there. These are master musicians, and I was 15 years old, 14, 15 years old, and I was accepted 
that is what it that gives you confidence and confidence is part of what you need to play your music to be sure that when you play that note you feel good about that 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 note that you play you know how are those sessions conducted i mean can you give us some of the atmosphere i mean the producers and chaos <laughs> pure chaos but but divine order at the same time divine order because it was a system that you know it was like what kind of okay systematically we would be in the studio whoever was playing on a track now remember there was herman sang he used to play with the jiving juniors Derek harriet mm -hmm. remember that yeah. the jiving juniors herman used to be one of the piano players and i would be between me and him this is before Jackie Too came on. I don't remember Jackie around the scene at the time. Mm -hmm. But they would have the house band, so to speak. And we'd just sit there, and a guy would come in with a song. And uh, I remember Duke Reed having sessions there, Coxon having sessions, Chris Blackwell having sessions, and one or two other people. And the guy would come in and, and say, this is the tune. And he'd get in front of the mic and sing the song, look over at us. And somebody in the band would, say, would start a little riff of some kind. Some kind of rip, whatever it was, and then yeah, okay, cool, man. The next thing, no, take it up a key, it's too low. Yeah, the drummer <laughs> start playing a little backbeat, and that was it. And you recorded it two or three times, and that was the end of it. And and it, it were, I remember must be like twenty fellas, maybe I'm exaggerating. A good many different songwriters would come through with their various tunes, basically very simple little songs, you know, twelve-bar blues mm -hmm. type um, rhythm and blues kind of concept. Are like the soul tunes, you know, them kind of things, you know. <laughs> so, so that was that was how it went, you know. And I'm, I'm, I remember uh, the different individuals that that would come through. Some of these um, people that became part of the music, mm -hmm. staple people in the music that came out of Jamaica. Um, Joe Higgs, yeah, remember seeing Joe Higgs. See, um, uh, boy, my mind blank. But you know what I'm how, saying. how much you used to get for sessions in those days? They used to pay you properly. I but think I, I don't. If I say this now, it's not going to sound nice. <laughs> and I, I can't tell you because it really wasn't very much. It yeah. really wasn't very much. Then again, that's what the industry was. It wasn't an industry. It was just going in there and do your thing, you know. Yeah. But um, Clement Dodd was um, was was. Let's say he was trying to keep the money. I mean, he was trying to trying to be budget conscious and that's all that's, that's a businessman yeah let's yes. put it that way all these people are business people so i'm not going to splurge the money around the place mm. so but i tell you one thing i saved up my money and between what i could get from my father and the money i saved up i was able to buy a fender bass mm. i saw this fender electric bass for the first time and this is like 1959 and i saw one of these rhythm and blues groups came down here like little richard or fats domino and i saw this electric bass mind you it wasn't one in jamaica and I put in an order at Montague Music. <laughs> and the other individual that put in an order was Mr. Byron Lee. And the two basses came to Jamaica about three months later. And both Byron picked up, picked up his and I picked up mine. And, for the, and then we had a, got a, had a couple of get-togethers on how to play the electric bass. Because I love bass, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, that was the first bass that came to Jamaica. Fascinating. You're hearing the voice of Monte Alexander telling you some of the history of popular Jamaica music that hasn't been written yet, really. Some of the experiences that Monty has, which are, are quite rich, and we hope to be able to share some of that with you this evening. Um, it's fascinating that Monty left all that went out internationally, but those beginnings, those roots, for instance, I mean, 
did they ever discover that you were actually teething out from JC regularly? Or that was well, I'm talking about it so much these days. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they're going to find out. <laughs> but I think enough of those people are gone now. They're not even around anymore, some of them. But, uh, you know, that's, that was not something that to do. I wouldn't tell a young yeah. student to, to teeth out of school. But I tell you, that music thing was such a, such a compelling uh, attraction for me that I, I was just swept up in it and I mean thank God for that because music is a gift and it has kept me out of trouble let me put it that way <laughs> when you migrated to the United States how, were, how young were you then I was 17 going on 18 17 but you're you're playing a lot then well I was it was this kind of experience it was playing um, at uh, Coxon's record sessions and backing up artists for Harris Forbes and the shows, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and playing at, um, going and jamming at the Courtly Manor with Aubrey Adams, let me sit in, playing with Ernie, you know, and uh, just, just a general all-around nuisance to people, you know, but uh, when I came to America, I guess I was, my, my hunger and desire for the music, um, plus just curiosity, I would be hanging out late at night when I was in Miami and there was I had no idea I could even be accepted as a professional in great big time America you know I mean back in them days you know America was like this far away thing mm -hmm. where it, it seemed so far away from our culture down here the simple life that we had mm -hmm. and we moved to America my family decided my mother said we're going to America okay we went to America but I started hanging out and it's two things that I got very turned on to because of being a youth in Jamaica I used to go to Sabina Park my father would take me there to see boxing and right near where I lived and in this area of Miami was, a, was the auditorium where Muhammad Ali started working out. And, and, and so I, between going to boxing every Thursday night and hanging around at these little local clubs, some of these burlesque places, pin-up joints, all that kind of stuff. And I couldn't, I was too young to get into those places. But I met some musicians, some good time guys. Mm -hmm. And they were, they were mostly black American musicians. But we would be hanging out, you know, because back in them days there was that prejudice thing in Florida very very thick it was still you know i mean 1962 still heavy man it had the water, separate water fountain and all that kind of thing and you know it was really a terrible scene but i mean i met these guys man and they would invite me into the club uh, uh, underage as i was to come jam with them sit in and play you know and it happened once or twice and i would just fit right in so perfectly and we all had a great time and this is this thing about the sharing of the music once again that did my confidence a, re a real deal. So wait a minute, this this is like this is no different from back home. I'm right in there with these people, you know. And then one thing led to another, and I met Cannonball Adley after that, and I met other people, and I was able to sit in with them and play. Riffin Radio. Yes, this is a very special album that Monty has just done. It's called Caribbean Circle, and that one is called Hurricane Come and Gone, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And there you heard him painting a picture of what it's like before. And after the hurricane. No, we didn't get to after. We you don't get to. We was in the during. <laughs> <laughs> after this is the rest of the record, but maybe yeah, later. Yeah. But it's really remarkable that I find that you keep a hand right back into those beginnings, as you're talking about, that are still so fresh in your memory. Um, and I think that is some musicians and some Jamaican, some Caribbean people very often try to escape or they try to make it onto some other level and there's been a tradition in the united states where a lot of musicians from caribbean origins tend to hide it simply because there seemed to have been a a strong rivalry between mm -hmm. black americans mm -hmm. and west indians 
earlier in the history. Mm -hmm. And therefore a lot of of Caribbean derived people mm -hmm. kept it a secret. But once I went in the home, you know, the whole thing was there, it was Jamaican or whatever. Uh, but you have never done that. You have always been saying I'm a Jamaican. Yeah. For, and for no extra statement, it's just a natural thing with me. No. I, um, I just have, um, I, I mean, I love this place. I love the, the spirit of this place. And I, when I left here, I mean, I love being in this exciting new land and, and all the things that were available, but I still I was homesick. You know, just, just certain things that I always had that I remembered that, that's still with me. But when I first started to interact with certain American musicians, especially when you get to New York and you have all the intellectual, cerebral people around you who are, <laughs> who are so hip, they're, they're so hip, it hurts. <laughs> and you want to be accepted by these people. Then I'm, I, I remembered I kind of was um, trying to fit in with them in such a way where I wouldn't, I wouldn't encourage the playing of brown-skinned girl, for example, <laughs> you know, because I said, I don't want, you know, I kind of go and just try to play their, play their thing, yeah, because I seem to be versatile to fit in with various situations. I, I, it's just one of my, my assets, you know, mm -hmm. just fit in with, I can relate to the music. I don't care whether it's rhythm and blues or whatever. If I can play it, I don't mind. It's all music to me. I love it. But I had met some guys in New York that were sort of the, 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 the pseudo-hipsters, you know, even mm -hmm. great musicians. But that's a part of that thing about being cool. Mm -hmm. And you want to be accepted and you, as you're growing, um, and I, and I kind of toned it down. But after a few years, I realized the best thing I can be is me. Mm -hmm. So let me go ahead and be me as best as I can. And being me is to say, yes, this is a part of me. This is my, my upbringing. I'm a Jamaican, and these are little folk songs. I'm going to play this little folk song for you. Next thing you know, I'm doing it with that sense of, of um, positive, and people start looking around and so, Man, what's that? Yeah, play more of that. Play more of that. <laughs> and I started to play it more and more. So that's how it happened. Yeah. Are you at liberty to tell us what you're doing right now? I'm talking to Dermot Hussey. <laughs> Creatively. Well, I'm pursuing um, uh, uh, an event that I've long wanted to do. And um, maybe I wouldn't go into all the details because I usually don't like to talk about stuff until I'm sure. really into yeah. it. And we respect that. Yeah, but, but it is the pursuance of um, doing what I was doing 30 years ago in terms of the spirit of the music with Jamaicans, with the rhythm and with whatever I can offer. So I'm, I'm doing a record in this area. I'm working on, the, on the, um, all the pieces that will hopefully make for a new album, which is decidedly a Jamaican album. What aspects, you know, stylistically, I may not say because to me it's a whole range of things, including the folk aspects of our culture. You know, going back to to the olden, the olden time, what you know, Granny mm -hmm. used to sing to you and all that kind of thing. Yeah. But also today's the fact that the way they've come up with the recording sound of today, that is commonly now known as dancehall and all of that. You know, mm -hmm. I like the sound very much. So I mean, I'm just checking it out. Let's just put it that way. You're listening to Riffin Radio. Yeah, sometimes people say, old time people say, old time music come back again. <laughs> <laughs> but that feel, you can't lose it, it's like a navel. It's always there. Yeah, it's really a circle, that's, that's why I call it that. It, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. just revolves, it's the same, mm -hmm. same thing, you know. It, it, I think Caveman was playing that. <laughs> 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 that beat. We have a special guest in the studio tonight, Jamaica's Monty Alexander Zete. He's one of the sons of Jamaica, of whom we can be tremendously proud because he's gone out there in the world 
in the days before Jamaica had a big popular music reputation and went out there, competed, held his own, fitted in, and now he's doing it and making that connection, that kind of renewal. I mean, as, you, as I said earlier, I've done 44 albums. That's a whole heap of work. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a lot of work. I've done a lot of traveling, you know, in, in the years. Traveled to Europe so many times. I was like mm -hmm. averaging four or five trips a year kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, in the last few months, I've been kind of laying low. And it's very hard to do that because you get so used to the activity. Being on the road. As Being on said. the road and, you, and every night you're thinking about the music you're going to play and, and how, how whatever, you know, just mm -hmm. dealing with that. I mean, also just being in the airport, you know, and yeah. the hotel room and that. One of the things that you talk about on this um, CD called Caribbean Circle is how much the cowboy was a part of a Jamaican kid's fantasy. Yeah, man. And it, uh, there's still an extension of it going on whereby Jamaicans, because of, I think, the strong spirit of individualism, uh -huh. identify with the cowboy. Rude boy is really a kind of cowboy situation, you know, a man who... The, mere, the word posse alone. Exactly, which, I, which basically identifies with the good guys. <laughs> yes. The posse is coming, the good guys are coming, but for whatever was going on in those groups, especially in America, the word posse was applicable to them because of that cowboy influence. So even years after my going to the movie theater sitting there shooting my little cap gun at the screen <laughs> acting like a real fool you know waiting for the cowboy and the indians and all, whatever was going on i remember that like yesterday because it was a big thrill to sit there i mean let's face it that's basically a nonsense thing but there's a moral thing going on a moralistic good and bad thing that that connected with some of us and you wait for the, the, the hero, the hero going to kiss the horse and ride off into the sunset. <laughs> you know, and the lady standing there, what about me, man? You know? <laughs> Cowboy gone. Cowboy gone. <laughs> and um, it, it, I remember, those, I remember, like I said, I, remember, I, I took pride in remembering all the cowboys and their horses. You know, I could, I could recite the cowboys and which horse he was riding and the, the, the certain songs that were synonymous with that person. So I guess the fact that I, um, I put this on the record seems like a a sort of a childish thing to do but it, i really mean it you know that's something mm -hmm. that i that i have fond memories of and um i just wanted to make a little musical tribute to to these guys the cowboys that's yeah, right Roy rogers gene autry and um also the thing about those people they were like the first country western kind of singers because what Roy Rogers back in the in the late 30s and the early 40s doing sitting on that horse with trigger playing the guitar that was a kind of a forerunner to all this country western thing right now. This this fella Clint Black that's so popular in the country western. He he can't wait to get Roy Rogers to sing with him, you know. Mm. So Roy is a very important person away from being the, the movie cowboy. Is that also how country and western was popularized in Jamaica from that cowboy connection? Well, that as well as let's face it, the simplicity of the lyric and the truth of the lyric, the country western, especially the oldest version. I haven't, been, I haven't listened that much to the newer things, but I'm thinking of people like Hank Snow and Hank Williams and mm. these people. I mean, Ray Charles tuned into That's these right, people. That's right, exactly. Ray Charles was a very, very selective person when it comes to material. He was really hooking up with that stuff from way back. But country and western is a decidedly and has basically been a white American idiom. 
you know, Charlie Pride came along and sort of changed it up a little bit. Yes. But it's a, it's an amazing thing all across America. Everybody wearing cowboy boots and, and this and that. I, I'm just waiting for the guns to start coming out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a definite revival. And it's still very much with Jamaicans today. I mean, a lot of the DJs, early DJs, Josie Wales. I mean, <laughs> Clint Eastwood had a movie called Josie Wales, right? That's right. Riffin Radio. Yeah, you remember these songs, man. Happy Trails, you say? Mm. Happy Trails, yeah. Mm. Dale Evans wrote this. Yeah, cowboy just riding on the trail. The cowboy is always going somewhere. He's always walking away from responsibility, either emotional or commitment. He does his job and he moves on. And he sleeps under the stars. Cowboy life. Man, oh, what a life. Can you imagine the, the beauty of just sleeping under those stars? You know, you have that blanket on the horse and you, you, you know, you're on your horse, best friend and you know, that's that's ideal, you know? I think a lot of Jamaicans identify with that spirit, that individual spirit mm -hmm. of the cowboy who is his own man, goes his own way, sings his own song. It's, it's an interesting thing, but let's face it, the American youth and youth all over the world really tune into this um, movie, the B-movies mm -hmm. that came out of Hollywood in the, 40, the 30s and the 40s. I mean, I can run down the whole line of cowboys Tom Mix and Boot Gibson and then later they had um, the singing cowboys and these kind of um, guys like um, um, Lash LaRue, Whip Wilson, Frankie Lane, Ghost Riders in the Sky, in yeah, fact yeah. this is what we're hearing now, yippee-i-yo, yippee Ghost Rider, <laughs> I tell you, Monte Alexander, the great Jamaican pianist, composer, arranger, and just strictly a roots yard boy has been with us in the studios tonight telling you how it actually went and this is not in the music books hopefully that is to come thanks for listening to riffin radio with Dermot hussey be sure to like us and subscribe we put out a podcast a week in the meantime follow us on instagram at r-i-f-f-i-n radio Facebook, Dermot Hussey, and check out our YouTube channel, Riffin Radio.